Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science can just peacefully. This was now finest. Today's episode of Petri Dish is presented to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. It provides podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so that you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member, and you can too. It's really easy. You just need to apply to become a member, and you're immediately connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's at podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Hey, guys. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. And today we're talking about this crazy kind of Holtzman shield-like just magic device that is implanted in your brain by the government when you're born. It's called the blood-brain barrier. Because Facebook hacked our polling, it got the number one result when we asked you, the people, what you want to listen to. You said blood-brain barrier. I know, that's just the lizard people talking. But still, here we are. We're going to talk about it. Sean, what the fuck is the blood-brain barrier? Yeah, blood-brain barrier was the first place in our Twitter poll, which, by the way, if people want to participate in these polls... It's totally open. Just find us on Twitter. We're at Dish Podcast. And make sure if they don't count your vote, okay, re-vote. Okay, you can vote <laughs> twice. <laughs> like especially if you're in North Carolina. We're just right? checking to see if it works, if the system <laughs> works. So Blood Brain Barrier won. It was first place. And oh, I was shit. a little surprised because I wasn't actually sure how much people had heard the phrase Blood Brain Barrier. Well, now it's making huge news because apparently the Chinese government banned the movie Mulan because it refers to Uyghur blood brain barriers. <laughs> And so now you can't have any press about Mulan in China. It's really ruining Disney's, like, Machiavellian marketing strategy. You're, like, reversing it up all funky. It's the liberals that are mad at Mulan. It's not the Chinese fascists. No, the Chinese government banned any media discussion of Mulan inside China. Like, no newspaper, no public outlet can talk about Mulan. Wow. Because of the backlash in America about how Mulan, the film, gave credit to like various right. Uyghur agencies. So, so people in America are pissed off about that. Not just liberals. I mean, Ted Cruz, you know, like all sorts of conservatives too. And then the Chinese were like, yeah, well, fuck the West. You know, like we're not going to talk about your dipshit shitty movie at all. Meanwhile, local response has been very mixed. Uh, apparently, like user scores have it around like 46% or something. Because some people are like, what's this honky garbage? You know. No. Oh. Well... <laughs> Um, I don't think Blood Brain Barrier's got anything to do with that, but I'm I'm glad you decided to bring that in. Well, it's interesting how Disney molecules used to be able to seep through your Blood Brain Barrier, Mm. and like now they're just, (laughs) they they cannot sneak through into your brain anymore. It's not making it anymore. (laughs) Well, so, for whatever reason, I do think the phrase Blood Brain Barrier... It's evocative. It's seeping out into public consciousness. Mm, Just like, just like heroin seeps into my brain through my Blood Brain Barrier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) And so I thought it'd be a a good opportunity to talk about 
even what the hell it is and yeah. what kinds of stuff can go through and what can't. What is this magic membrane shield or whatever it is? What's this magic shield that protects your brain from the outside world? Stand your ground later today on Petri Dish. <laughs> So guys, as the scientist, I want you to close your eyes <laughs> and I want you to imagine a club, the most exclusive club possible, a club that because of all the drug and alcohol use is going to flame out in about 70 years and decay into an empty warehouse of old memories. 70 as, years? Yeah, I mean, if you're lucky. Okay. <laughs> Maybe just 40 for some of you people out there. <laughs> but, but for my brain, it's like a 30 year run, guys. I'm okay. pretty close. Okay. But so this club is your brain. Now, you need bouncers, though. A lot of people want to get into that brain. They want to get through your phospholipid sex layer into yeah. your fuck club. Wow. Okay? <laughs> so you need bouncers. The blood-brain barrier or your Patrick Swayze protecting your roadhouse. Wow. Okay, yeah. I think <laughs> I think your club went from really swanky to roadhouse very suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I think Roadhouse is probably more appropriate for your brain. My mind is a Kaufman-esque nightmare. (laughs) But I do think that that's true. Okay, so the blood-brain barrier is kind of like a wall or a bouncer setup trying to keep a lot of the shit out from all of the good juices going on and nourishing your central nervous system. Nice. So this term was probably coined in like 1918. Mm, good year. By two French dudes, Stern and Gautier. Ah, French. Uh, Is the barrier... Uh, hematoencephalique. Ooh, yeah. you keep talking like that to me, man. Hematoencephalique. I don't think English cuts it anymore. <laughs> You're too handsome. You know, science isn't really just like a one-off thing, so it's like usually not just two people who figure something out. Right. right? So, of course, this idea, it was being kicked around for like 20 years before Stern came up with that phrase to describe it, right? Very sexy. And so, actually, sometimes when people talk about the blood-brain barrier, they bring up Ehrlich, as like this German dude, kind of the originator of the concept in like 1885. I'm not a licker, you're a licker. <laughs> Ehrlich, <laughs> yeah. the original lick. And basically the way that a lot of these experiments went is it was people injecting different kinds of dyes into animals. Wow. And then seeing where they go. And what most of them found is if you inject a dye into the body of an animal, that dye will go like all over the body. You know, you know I mean? Germany had been unified for about 13 years as of this point. And this is what they're spending with their free time. <laughs> buying tanks and navies and shit. Well, they didn't have tanks at that point. They were making a navy and they are injecting animals with dye. And finding out that when they inject it into the body, the brain would not get dyed. Oh, right? And so they're like... Something's there. Something's going on, right? Ehrlich, though, really specifically said he doubted that there was a blood-brain barrier. Oh. What he said was that the brain must be extra leaky. Oh. And so that's why it doesn't die. Uh, any kind of color. So that's funny. So he came up with the term, but he's a dumbass. He didn't even come up with the term. He was one of the earliest recorded times of somebody like really going through this dye injecting process, uh, but he rejected the idea of a blood brain barrier. What a schmuck. <laughs> well, it's, just, it's interesting that he gets uh, brought up as like sort of the originator of it when he like explicitly said that right. he didn't think it was possible. Originated in the negative. Yeah. And so, you know, then there was a bunch of other people who went through more of these experiments and found out, for example, if you inject the dye into the brain, yes. the brain stains just fine. So it can't be too leaky. Right. It's just, it does seem to be in this separate, almost like compartment. What color is your brain? What did they dye you as a child? 
fuchsia. <laughs> Your fuchsia brain? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. What color is fuchsia again? It's like a really bright pink. It's like Nailed a hot it. pink. Nailed it. And anyway, a lot of people did these kinds of experiments. And they injected different kinds of dyes. They did it into the brain directly and saw that it did stain so it's not too leaky. Man, the poor things we did to Rosemary Kennedy, huh? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really bummer. <laughs> That's a huge bummer. <laughs> but for example, Lewandowski in 1900 did one of these brain experiments. God, what do you think he thinks of his great-great-great-grandson? Just going around with Donald. Oh, yeah. Corey Lewandowski. Whoa, Uh deep cut. Uh Uh-oh. Very (laughs) naughty. He's also got an injected brain. But in any case, it wasn't until, like, the 1960s when we had electron microscopes. Sweet. That, like, we could actually fucking see physically the blood-brain barrier. How did electron microscopes work? Yeah, so... They, like, shoot an electron, like... Yeah. Oh, fuck! Yeah. And the idea, basically, how all of vision works, <laughs> how any kind of microscope works, is you're shooting something, like a photon or something like that, right? So light microscopes, you shoot a photon yeah. at something, it bounces off that thing and then gets hit by a detector. That's cool. Or it passes through that thing and picked up by a detector. So you can that's have cool. transmission or scattering microscopes. That's pretty cool how we invented that, even though that's not how we see things. <laughs> I mean... What? Well, because God objectively made the world, and then we just see it. <laughs> and he, he, he puts images into our minds? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what he tells me. <laughs> anyway, so light microscopes use photons to do this little bounty thing. Yes. But photons have a certain wavelength, and that means that things that are smaller than that wavelength, we quarks. can't really see. <laughs> well, no, we can't oh. get down to quarks. But, oh. um, but that means that there's something in, like... The hundreds of nanometers range. Cool. We're like, we can't really see it that well with light microscopes anymore. That's cool. It gets kind of fuzzy. Cool. Electron microscopes, because we're using these little electron goobers, we can actually hit things and have them bounce off and scatter or whatever at a much smaller scale. So we can see things down to, I think the best we can do is maybe like a tenth of a nanometer. Right. But at that point, we get all Heisenberg fuzzy. You get fuzzy because you can actually, with electron microscopes, you can see the electron density cloud of molecules. That's fucking cool. I mean, really, and what that is metaphysically is the the stopping point at which we cannot predestine our future, right? Like, we cannot (laughs) position all things and order the entire universe because that's an affront to God. Oh, you brought God back in there again, huh? (laughs) We're recording on Sunday. I just had some chicken, and I I am feeling religious. Wow. (laughs) What a a solid bummer. It is interesting how Heisenberg's uncertainty principle saved religion, right? Because it reintroduced Mm. probability into science. It, like, slipped, slipped God in there? Right. I mean, the irony of Einstein saying God does not play die is it's the act of die that saves God. Mm. Otherwise, where's he going to play die in the alley, right? It's not our universe. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful, Nathan. That's beautiful. I'm so metaphysical. I think you just saved religion. (laughs) Um, Okay. So in any case, we used electron microscopy and we could actually see the blood-brain barrier finally. That's cool. In the 1960s. So does anyone else besides Rosemary Kennedy have a blood-brain barrier? Is that something that all humans, all all vertebra have? Who has a blood-brain barrier? That's a good question. Let's take a break. And then when we come back, we'll get into it. Fifteen love. Do you like to listen to the sounds of intramural tennis? 
Deuce. Download balls in your court today. And that's match. So who has a blood-brain barrier? I assume all things. Viruses, bacteria, <laughs> Republicans even. Just like all sorts of shit. Yeah, so this is actually uh, a fun question that our buddy Vikram, who hosts that uh, podcast, Planthropology, asked. And plants do not have a blood-brain barrier. Right. As an example. Yeah. Um, but That's why plants are the perfect murder victim. <laughs> I, I remember this one episode of Dexter that they cut where where it just like there was a greenhouse that just got slaughtered oh, and nice. Dexter came in he was like I don't have anything to analyze <laughs> right okay so, <laughs> so um, sounds more like an episode of Psych right <laughs> almost every time that I've heard of a blood brain barrier it's in the context of like humans but clearly some animals should have a blood brain barrier right eels sure yeah. yeah. And so what it is is that all vertebrates seem to have a blood-brain barrier. Right. And sometimes it varies a little bit on what specific cell is doing, like, the bouncer job or whatever, right? But, you know, broadly, that covers yeah. all kinds of stuff. I see your list here is lampreys, geckos, hawks, and uh, Nathans. Yeah. Yeah, fuck you, man. You're yeah. a vertebrate. I got a thick barrier, dude. <laughs> Nothing gets through my brain. I wasn't saying you had a <laughs> shitty barrier. <laughs> yeah, you're very strong. And... While it's not exactly the same as our blood-brain barrier, some invertebrates actually also seem to have some regulation about what gets to hang out in their brains or ganglions or whatever. That seems like a good thing. Yeah. Seems like anything with the brain probably needs something saying yes, no. It does seem to end up getting related to that. Yeah. Right. So especially if that brain actually has to handle a lot of environmental processing and stuff like that. It, right. One of the papers I saw was suggesting that the more visual processing that a brain had to do, ah. the more blood-brain barrier there was. So, insects and cephalopods. Here, here's a gamer one. The guys who read the Elder Scrolls, that moth, that moth cult, those guys don't have a blood-brain barrier. Oh, right. Yeah, you yeah. do a quest for them in Oblivion. Well, don't they start out visible? Like, they start out, they can see, but, like, they go blind looking at the Elder Scrolls? And so they actually have this little device you can find in Elder Scrolls Skyrim where they suck out the blood pain barrier before they can read it. Because you gotta let the... All the words have to go into the brain. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, you're fucked. Um, <laughs> so, uh, insect encephalopods yes. are some examples of invertebrates that have their own style of blood-brain barrier type situation. Uh, that's cool. Okay. And I think that the distinction here between, like, invertebrates and vertebrates and which ones have the blood-brain barrier or whatever, or what cell is responsible, I don't think that distinction super matters. Right. Because the blood-brain barrier is the same for most vertebrates, but even within vertebrates, sharks, skates, and sturgeon fish right. all actually have blood-brain barrier setups that are a little bit more reminiscent of, like, cephalopods. Right. I mean, between a hip-hop club and an EDM club, either way, the bouncer's not letting me and my male friends in. <laughs> Wow, okay, yeah. You, you got a bone to pick with these bouncers. <laughs> you, you left out of one too many clubs. Did you go clubbing a lot in Korea or something? Is that what's going on here? Uh, when I was like 19, yeah. Ooh, girl. Ooh, I was the token hoppa. Ah, so Yeah, fancy. baby. Um, so in terms of when 
this blood-brain barrier develops. It must happen sometime during embryological development. Yeah. Right? And so it seems to form an embryo is pretty close to when you start even having a neural tube. Right. To keep fluid in in the first place. So the neural tube, at some point, <laughs> embryos start out as like a ball or kind of a flat sheet, sort of depending on what you are. Yeah. And then at some point, you kind of have this like little kind of folding in process of your neural tube. Cool. And it eventually folds into kind of like a burrito. And the inside of the burrito is a fluid. And that fluid ends up being separated and distinct from all the external fluid. Cool. So that goopy, like, cheese bean yeah. in the middle of a poorly constructed burrito. Yes. That's your blood-brain barrier. That's the stuff on the inside of the blood-brain oh, barrier. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And you can tell it's distinct because after a certain point in embryo development, you can inject dye into that liquid and the rest of the embryo will not change color. That's It'll just cool. stay that color inside. And that's actually something that I did during my master's degree with chicken embryos. Okay, okay, okay. Is We would inject DNA and a dye into their neural tube, and then we'd electrocute the shit out of them. Nice. And yeah, then, I like that. And then shock! Why don't you give DNA. me some of that? Okay, I st- we can we can do it. <laughs> yeah, I got I got two nipples just ready to go for years. Yeah, and like, where's fuck. the electricity, baby? Where's the electrodes? <laughs> well, anyway, I want you to be my Nikola Tesla, dude. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound so bad. Yeah, that's. Um, what, I mean, he was so poor when he got older that that's how he made money. Is he just went to rich New Yorkers and zipped their nips? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so apparently, this aspect of when the blood-brain barrier kind of gets set up and solidified in embryos yeah. makes some scientists angry because I read a very oh. angry paper about this. Weird. Because there's an idea that when embryos are developing and when their fetuses and everything like that, the nervous system is immature. Okay. it is. It's still in development. Right. But that in the idea of that immaturity, it also means that the blood-brain barrier is leakier or something like that. Okay. Like it, that it doesn't do as good a job protecting the central or like that it's more permissive to let more stuff in and what these scientists were saying is that like that idea is really prevalent but it's bullshit oh okay that the blood-brain barrier gets set up very early and might actually be more effective at keeping stuff out when you're an embryo okay and when you're a fetus than when you're an adult human and they got really fussy about this it was a fucking long ass paper i read and they were just like very emotional here's all the evidence for why it is a strong blood-brain barrier and here's a bunch of quotes from scientists saying it's not, but they don't have any evidence. And they were really, they were, they were mad. Wow. Okay. Man. <laughs> gotta, gotta calm down academia, dude. <laughs> I guess, Jesus. I guess, uh, some people. <laughs> I think we need a left, right, and center for the blood brain barrier. We need Josh Barrow, okay, to help, help us navigate these neoliberal waters. <laughs> I have a listener who told me, he was like, yeah, man, your brother's really neoliberal. And I was like, I don't think. That comes across at all in the pod. And he's like, he's like, oh, I know all the time. And I was like, I think he just doesn't want me to say terrible things. <laughs> which, which, which one is neolib again? Uh, it's like the Clinton blue dog era in the 90s or something, right? Oh, so like geez. very, very pro free market kind of buys into some of that Reaganomics stuff, if not all of it. Wow. You know, yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, and you tell me all the time about the Laffer curve. So that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm practically a socialist. Yeah, um, that's actually true. It's like you want heavy regulation of Nathan by the state. Right? <laughs> yeah. you're, like, you're like, we need an agency to regulate Nathan's mouth. But for the benefit of the community. <laughs> right. Ashid Pie has just like a table full of your letters. It's just like, you need to regulate my brother's mouth. <laughs> Ashid Pie's like, sorry. I just, uh, <laughs> wait. Well, that's not what the FCC does. 
Okay. So, Sean, I think the thing that the people really want to know, the thing that matters, what gets into the blood-brain barrier? Do red wines get in? How about rosés? <laughs> I want the wine that gets most in my blood-brain barrier. All right. So with the blood-brain barrier, gases. Really, really small things. Mm. Right? Like We're talking about like a couple of atoms put together. So Prosecco. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm sorry. Keep going. I mean, Prosecco has carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is an example of oh, one shit. that can pass through the blood there brain barrier. Go. But these gases, carbon dioxide, oxygen, they're very, very small. They can slip on through. Okay. So can alcohol, because alcohol oh, wow. is really not that many atoms. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so alcohol just right in there. Yes. So that's why it gets people so good. Yeah. So when we say alcohol, I think right now, mostly what we're talking about is ethanol, right? Which is the one that's in wine and beer. And yeah, I'm talking about for a loco. <laughs> I still got a well, stash. But see, here's the thing, is that it's not just that alcohol that can get through. Oh, interesting. Methanol and isopropanol can also get through. Ah, the tasty ones. <laughs> Wood alcohol and rubbing alcohol. And those ones are really fucking not good for you. <laughs> interesting. Methanol is one of the ones that can kind of famously make you go blind. Okay, cool. And isopropanol can get converted in your body into formaldehyde. Wow. And that's also very not good for you. So that's kind of like Mr. and Mrs. Smith is like the methanol gets inside and then it takes out the blood-brain barrier from the inside, right? Because you told me blindness means you don't have a blood-brain barrier anymore or something. <laughs> wow. Thank you for totally fucking that up. <laughs> I didn't say any of that shit. Um, but I will say that there are some things that when they pass through your blood-brain barrier one way or another, do seem to weaken the blood-brain barrier. Oh, interesting. And we'll get into Is that Is heroin a, a good later. example? <laughs> Methamphetamine, nicotine. Mm. Those are a couple of examples that seem to disrupt your blood-brain barrier. Damn. Anyway. Okay, so little molecules, including alcohol and gases, they whoop right in there. Little yeah. curves in the night. Yeah, so... Yeah, at the end of the day, the way to think of the blood-brain barrier is you have these cells that are making up your actual capillary, your blood vessel. Okay. Right? So the blood's inside that straw that is your okay, blood Okay, so vessel. we got blood, we have the capillary. Right, and so the capillary is made up of cells. Like, yes. physically, they make the wall and right. everything like that. no brick. Uh... Just keep going. Don't let me stop you. <laughs> and those cells are basically grabbing onto one another. Yeah. The ones ah! next to them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Through something called tight junctions. Okay. okay. Ooh. And tight junctions are tight. Dude, you need to stop talking about your super tight <laughs> junction. All right. I don't want to hear about that anymore. <laughs> but the point is that you can either try to get in through the cells. Yeah. Right. Or you can try to get in through the tight junctions between the cells. Yeah. Right. And crazy. Tight junction effectively keeps out shit bigger than 10 to 15 angstroms, guys. Yeah. It's like in Ocean's Eleven. They needed that tiny little Chinese dude oh, no. to flip into there, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can't have... If you're 10 to 15 Brad Pitts, okay, you can't get yeah, in that place. That's not going to fit. That's yeah. not going to fit. Um, do you know what an angstrom is? Uh, I just know it's like a super tiny little Norwegian man or something. Yes. <laughs> so an angstrom is a tenth of a nanometer. Holy but tits. But the point of angstroms is it's like atomic scale. Wow. Okay. So a carbon-carbon bond is like 1.5 angstroms. Damn. That's like the same size of Donald Trump's love for his children. Oh, my God. <laughs> so 10 to 15 angstroms, the tight junction kind of limit. 10 yeah. to 15 angstroms is like three to four water molecules next Damn. to each other. Okay. Damn. So that shit's tight. That is way, 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 way smaller than a peptide or a protein okay. or a bacteria or any kind of shit like that or a virus. Like, none of that stuff should be able to slip through the tight junctions. Okay, cool. Okay. And, and how do viruses get in then? 
usually by infecting the cells. Oh, right. They, go, they, they choose to go through the cells oh, as opposed shit. to go through the tight junctions, right? Ooh, okay. Okay. But basically, tight junctions, ooh boy, they're tight. Yeah. So, okay. much more likely, things are going to want to get in through the cells, and there's different ways of doing that. Okay. And just to be sure, so we got the blood, the capillary, and that's real tight. Mm hmm. And then the blood-brain barrier? So, in most spots, the blood-brain, the barrier stage yeah. is the capillary cells. Oh, okay. What are called endothelial cells. Okay. And we'll get into some of the details on that because it's complicated. It gets switched up and everything. But right now, you're a little goober, and you're trying to sneak into the brain, okay? And in your case, you're going to try to do it through some cells. So, why don't we take a break, and then I'll explain how that works. Cool. The following is an actual advertisement. Hey everybody, I'm Steve. And I'm Izzy. And this is Everything, Everything I, I Learned From Movies. And tonight, tonight, like every night, we bring you <laughs> questionable movies and pass the lessons that we've learned on to you, as well as we go over some great beer and funny third thing. Yes, we're excellent beer reviewers, and as BJCP certified beer judges, we sort of know what we're talking about in regards to that. The movies... <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to hear us talk about uh, odd movies and uh, is he talking about BJing, Woo! Uh, listen to us at eilfm.podbean.com. That's everything I learned from movies.podbean.com. Hey, honey, are you ready to pop that top? <sniffs> Woo! My top! Okay, Sean, my ex-girlfriend's got a house party. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. I'm going <laughs> to get in there right through the bush. Okay, so how do I do it? Yeah, so if you are trying to sneak through a cell... One of the first barriers that you run up against is the lipid bilayer of the cell, right? Oh, right, right, right. And the lipid bilayer is a little complicated because it's got hydrophilic head groups. Like Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got those uh, those phospho guys on it. Right, there, I right? remember those. And so there, there's some charge there, but then also mm. they're hydrophilic. And then you yeah. have the lipid tails. Ooh, I like it. And Just like Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> A little bit of charge, not a lot. <laughs> anyway, so, so you got this middle zone, also the hydrophobic part. Right, right, yes. And not only do you have to get through that first lipid bilayer, right. you're going to have to travel through the cell. That's what it means to be bi. Oh, okay. I misunderstood. <laughs> no, no. You got to travel through the cell to the other side and then right. get through another lipid bilayer to finally get through that set. Right. right? Cue awesome 60s music. How are we going to do it? Right. And so one of the main ways is you need to be pretty small. Right. And you need to be hydrophobic enough that you can actually get through the membrane. Right, okay? right, right. And so that is to say things that are very hydrophilic or are large just cannot They're not doing get it. through that membrane properly. Yeah. Right? Big stuff can't kind of shove their way in right. there. You must be this thin to ride this ride. <laughs> My worst nightmare at a theme park. <laughs> so there is a commonly quoted rule that says that a molecule needs to be less than 400 to 500 Daltons. Right. And a Dalton it's is... a tiny, skinny little biologist way back when. <laughs> <laughs> that you're gonna... Uh, wasn't he one of the Bonds, Timothy Dalton? Oh, uh, yeah. I, you know, I never saw those. Dad had such a bad attitude about every not Sean Connery or Pierce Brosnan. Right. I never saw any of the other ones. Right. So a molecule needs to be 400, and 500, 400 to 500 Daltons. Okay, cool. Uh, which is grams per mole. So it's kind of like atomic weight. You know what I mean? Okay. 400 to 500 Daltons is small. Realistically, this isn't a rule so much as a suggestion. Yes. Okay. So uh, I've read papers where people are like, it must be less than 500 Daltons or it won't work. Right. That is actually bullshit. Right. There are things that are larger than 500 Daltons that get across the membrane. Right. 
for example, there is a peptide cytokine. Yeah. Cytokines are the little signaling guys from the immune system. Right. This peptide called SYNC1 is actually 7,500 Daltons. Fucking huge. Much bigger than 500. Right. <laughs> like more than 10 times bigger. And that fucker gets through the membrane. So it's just because he's like, like down with the fatties that he can just like get right through the bouncers? Kind of, yeah. So when you're working with peptides at that point, you, you can have all kinds of interesting effects. Peptides are made up of amino acids. Okay. Amino acids, some of them are hydrophilic, some of them are hydrophobic. Okay. You can have combinations Ooh. that kind of let you like, whoop, kind of judo flip, <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of oh, flip your way on through dude, the membrane. Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> so you can do a lot of fancy stuff like that, okay? Cool. And we had already mentioned how alcohol can probably slip through the tight junctions. Alcohol can definitely also get through the membranes just fine. And wow, 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 caffeine also gets in there. Yeah, caffeine can diffuse across the membranes. Oh, shit. It can diffuse across the blood-brain barrier. It also technically gets transported across as well. Right. So that you can get bonus caffeine. Jesus, man, he's sneaking in there no matter how. Wait, <laughs> yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, so on that, let's talk about how you get transported through. Okay, so this is how do you hijack the system, hop on the back of the truck, ride straight into town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in a sense. So in, instead of trying to sneak in on foot, now you're getting transported along. And a lot of things, yeah. Can I say something pretty stupid? Okay. I'm still a little confused about what literally the blood-brain barrier is. It's the capillary wall? Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, yeah, okay, well... I said Holtzman Shield much too early in the episode. So I was imagining like this blue barrier around your brain. It's the capillary wall. Yeah, so I guess maybe this is as good a time as any to say this. You have capillaries all over your body. Right. That's where your arteries get really, really skinny and have a really big surface area and they kind of go out all over your tissues and everything Yes. to get you that good oxygen, to get you the good nutrients and everything that all of your organs need everywhere, mm. right? So you have capillaries everywhere in your body and those capillaries form some kind of barrier mm. okay so for example red blood cells are not supposed to ever leak out of your capillaries right they stay inside arteries veins capillaries all the time right when red blood cells leak out you're it, bleeding it's a problem <laughs> yeah so they always form some kind of barrier okay. but in some spots in your body they have uh, some more kind of gaps in between them. Right. Okay. okay? Kind of cracks in that wall okay. called fenestrations. So okay. in the liver, <laughs> you're kind of fenestrated. Dude, awesome. Just like a Catholic bishop right out of a tower in Prague, baby. <laughs> yes. Yeah, dude. I'm going to defenestrate you, bitch. Yeah. And so a lot of stuff gets defenestrated in the liver. Damn. Because the liver is a place where you want to be breaking stuff down, detoxifying dude. stuff. Oh, my God. What tempestuous bohemians. <laughs> And so that is a spot where you have these fenestrations. In a lot of other parts of your body, you are not fenestrated, but the tight junctions are looser. Okay. Okay. And then in the brain, that's a place where the tight junctions are. Ooh, they're tight. It's real tight. Real tight. Ooh, it's tight. Because you don't want anything getting in there except exactly what you want. You want you want to really regulate it. Right. And that regulation usually comes in the form of transport right. where there's some kind of protein sitting in your cell membrane at the blood-brain barrier right. that's picking who comes across. In some parts of your body, your tight junctions are more like TSA. Okay, in your brain, it's Israeli security. All right? <laughs> yeah. Those guys ain't doing theater. <laughs> Nothing's getting into the Gaza Strip. <laughs> wow. And yeah, now I'm sad. Okay, so 
A lot of stuff actively gets transported across that barrier. Cool. Amino acids, which are really important. Your brain needs those amino acids. Those get transported across. Right. Glucose is one of the top things that's getting transported across. Very because cool. Because your brain is gobble, gobble, gobble. Yeah, it's working. It's very hungry. It's like 20% of your energy expenditure in your entire body is mm. your brain. This is why if you think less, you lose weight. Wait, what? No, yeah, because you use all this glucose. <laughs> it's the other way around. You, oh, my bad. You, you want to think, think more. You want to think real hard. Yeah, exactly. That's why kids who are good at math are skinny bitches. I've also, I've seen some people who, when they're taking tests or something, will like suck on a cube of glucose. Is that at all meaningful? That's a good question. I doubt it a little bit. Yeah. But I will say that if you have, for some reason, low blood sugar levels, if you're low on glucose, I could see your brain struggling a little bit. But I think most of us, we, we keep it we keep it tight yeah. in terms of our glucose level. Sweet. Anyway, so you also can do the L-DOPA. L-DOPA. You know, some peptide hormones. Nicotine is one that we transport across. Okay. Okay. And the idea with active transport is that you have these proteins and they are grabbing specific things and they're kind of shoving it into their little protein pathway into sure. the cell. It's like border control. Is like Trump, you don't want most Chinese people here. Oh. But we do want really <laughs> rich Chinese people here. So you send a little protein like Jared Kushner. <laughs> he goes out, he sells some visas, and he brings the ones you want in. <laughs> yes. So tell me about the Chinese, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but look. So <laughs> there are these proteins, and yeah, they're selective, like you're saying. Yeah. And you have some of them on the sort of uh, blood side of these cells, yes. right? And then you also have some of them on, I guess, the butt side, the outer side of the cells. Look at you talking about butts. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, is that uh, you, you have some of these pulling in stuff like glucose, and then yeah. you have stuff on the other side pushing the glucose out into right. the brain area. Right, right, right. Because right? you're trying to pass through these cells. And that way they can get into the brain juice, that good tasty brain juice for all okay. of your neurons to gobble up. Okay. Right? And so we're actually still identifying a lot of these transporters and what stuff they like to transport. Right. Okay. And so a lot of the drugs that do get across the blood-brain barrier are supposed to get across because they use some transporter right. that probably meant to grab something natural in your body, like an amino acid. Right. And then kind of accidentally grab this drug that you took. So why? It's a real shame it didn't work out. <laughs> what? Well, you know, like in the 50s, you had these dreams of making people real small, right? Yeah. And then they would like fantastic voyage into you. Yes. Think about how much easier all this would be if you could just be a little person in a little craft watching it happen, right? Yes. Yeah, it's it's a shame. Yeah, it, it is a very, I guess, complex process. So it's not that easy to just like rationally design stuff around. Right. But there are a lot of these transporters that we have figured out. One of them is called GLUT1. Okay. Uh, and it's like glue tea because it's glucose transporter. I knew someone who only had one glute. <laughs> and they would just like secrete poop, like like sweat. It's the glute one. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. The, like a messianic. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's an alien from space. I am glute one. I actually... I am the man who stood still. I was going through Twitter and yeah. one of the things was a picture of Perseus, like, you know, with the head of Medusa <laughs> or whatever. And his glutes... You can tell that Greek sculptor yeah. paid a lot of attention to that ass. Yeah. Because it is incredible. It's amazing how the Greeks got to perfectly write the dickal area. <laughs> <laughs> like, their anatomy's pretty good, but, like, the dickal area is, like, every muscle group is dead off. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of focus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know what you love, right? <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> there's this video of rhinos running across the savannah. Yeah. And it's like, it's a drone following them. Right? Okay. And the rhinos are running, but you can see their ears track where the drone is. Oh, that's cool. Because they're hearing it. Right. And so you can tell where a rhino's focus is by where the ear is pointing. Right. And you can tell where a Greek's focus is by right. like where the muscle groups are. Right, right, right. And it's one place. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's interesting because that's how Greek ears work too. Is they can just hear a boner get hard anywhere in a 50 mile radius. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fuck. Anyway. Uh, so GLUT1 is one of these transporters and its whole point is to transport glucose, which is important because yes. your brain likes to nom 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 it. Right. right? And as a small tangent, I just want to say, I read a paper on GLUT1, and the scientists involved with studying GLUT1 yes. are paying just so much fucking incredible detail to this shit. Right. Because they are looking at crystal structures of, like, the glucose traveling through one of these transporters and, like, which hydrogen bonds, which amino acids are hydrogen bonding to the glucose Damn. on, like, a nanometer, nanosecond kind of level and Damn. shit like that. It is incredible the amount of science people are putting into this thing. Wow. What it, nerds. It, it is a lot of work. Wow. I can't <laughs> believe my government money's going to that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> we need to be hiring more inmates at two bucks an hour. <laughs> Why can't we conscript scientists doing lame stuff like this to fight fires for two bucks an hour <laughs> wow. like prisoners? <laughs> that is fucked up. <laughs> you just <laughs> said some fucked up shit. Right? There's nothing in there that's good. <laughs> yeah, that, everything about that was naughty. Okay, um, Sean. So tell me about Eon Flux. Oh, right. Okay. So we were just talking about transporters. That's when there's stuff you want to bring in. Yeah. But the blood-brain barrier also has a lot of what's called efflux. Right. Which means any naughty thing trying to sneak in, it also has a way of popping out. Ooh. Okay. And so there are proteins in the cell membrane that work hard to kick any of the shit out that might have been sneaking through the cell membrane. Yeah. Right. Pop it out. And like <laughs> a protein. Just go kick ee through your phosphor biolip. so one of the famous ones is p-glycoprotein p-glyco yeah and so it actually sits in the membrane and it waits for any like stupid shit small molecule like drug trying to sneak across the lipid membrane right you get that coyote (laughs) (laughs) yeah right out and it's just waiting for them grabs that dude and then spits it right back out the membrane you know some people call these guys right-wing extremists i call them (laughs) i call them americans patriots (laughs) these are patriots (laughs) um so (laughs) fuck (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I hope people know what satire is. <laughs> anyway. Um, I don't. <laughs> so its affinity is really broad. Yes. Okay? In that some proteins care a lot about what molecule they're working with. This guy, wow. Generally, if it's hydrophobic E, then it's going to grab it. Wow. This, so this guy really does do a lot of racial profiling. This is like a lot of those patriot militia guys. They're just like anybody who looks a certain way, just get them out. Right, right, right. But it would be like, wow, hold on. Am I going to do this? Yeah, okay. It'd be like, instead of being like, oh, I really hate this specific group. They're like, wow, I really hate anyone who doesn't look like me, right? Like, it's very nonspecific. I think you very successfully described the modern Republican Party. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, <laughs> And so, because it's so broad, this protein actually gets used by cancer cells. Yes. Cancer cells will upregulate it to pump out cancer drugs. Yeah. So when you're trying to treat those cancers, sometimes the drug actually does get into the cell, and then the cancer cell, whoop, just yeah. pops it back out there using P-glycoprotein. Okay, do the break. Well, Let's take a break, and then when we come back, I'm going to talk about some of the nuances of this system, okay? Because not everything is the same in the blood-brain barrier, 
And then also, I'm going to talk about what the specific little goober cells are. Who was the first man to circumnavigate the ventricles? All this and more on Petri Dish. But listeners aren't going to get that joke until we actually start that segment. So. <laughs> All right, anyway, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll get into it. <laughs> Guys, welcome back to Petri Dish. Now we're going to talk about cerebrospinal. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so far, all of this talk about the blood-brain barrier has been kind of focused on maybe just... Well, it seems like there's brain stuff and then there's blood stuff. Yes. Right? It's just in the name blood-brain. Yeah. But actually, there is a whole other fluid that people talk about, oh. which is cerebrospinal fluid. Okay, okay, okay. CSF. And that's the stuff that when you get a spinal tap... They sample a little bit of that juice. Okay. Right? And so when I was originally researching this topic, I was like, is brain juice just cerebrospinal fluid? Like, are no. they the same thing? Right? They're not. No, they're not. They're not the same thing. And so there is actually a blood cerebrospinal fluid barrier. Right. And there is a kind of barrier between cerebrospinal fluid and the brain. Oh, the okay. mysterious thing that gives the universe its mass. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the dark the dark matter dark spinal fluid or the the higgs boson yeah something anyway so the blood csf barrier is very similar to the blood brain barrier except it seems to let more stuff in it's a little bit leakier okay and technically the blocking part the wall portion is not the capillary part right it's a layer of cells outside the capillary okay that kind of they come in and they form their own wall just outside of the capillary. Right. Now, the CSF does do a lot of things for the brain, okay? It ends up being a source of, like, calcium, for example, for the brain. So some of the stuff that gets into the brain gets there through CSF. Okay. But a lot of other things, like oxygen, like glucose, some of the really big ones, yeah. that goes in directly through the blood-brain barrier. Okay. Okay. The CSF pathway to get into the brain is a little bit more involved. There's like more barriers along the way and everything. Okay. So it's pretty much one of the main ones is calcium. Okay. That it's used for. But CSF gets used for other physical things. It gets used as kind of a cushioning for your brain. Okay. Right? So it, it's kind of a, a liquid almost wrapping around your whole brain so that when you get knocked around a little bit in the head, right. your brain's not just slamming into your skull. So why can't we just put more CSF in football players' heads or something? Like, why can't we just <laughs> squirt it in there? Well, you don't want to pressurize it too much because oh. that'll also start to squish the brain. Yeah, but then all you got to do is drill a hole in the top of their head, right? And then that lifts <laughs> some of the pressure out, right? <laughs> We're starting to do additive things, all of which can yeah. be dangerous. Then you them. bring the gorillas <laughs> and, and they eat the snakes. Sure. But they'll die in the winter. Yes. Yeah. But one of the other things that CSF does does is it kind of gets all up around your brain and sort of like buoys it so like your brain floats yeah. in the csf so your brain actually weighs less in the csf in terms of crushing itself right okay because your brain is like pretty pretty dense and, and pretty and goopy gel yeah yeah exactly it could crush itself under its own weight wow but having csf all in there helps it kind of float a little bit so it doesn't get all smushied wow i wonder if that's just like what henry kissinger went towards as he was dying his brain just slowly <laughs> collapsing in on itself. Is Kissinger dead? He's dead inside. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I don't remember Fuck either. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> anyway, so there are certain spots in your brain. That's basically the end of the CSF portion. The, yeah. the main point of the CSF is that there's a little bit of a leakier barrier to get into your CSF. And then from your CSF, 
there's another barrier which is pretty permissive to get into some of your brain juice. Right. Okay. There are other parts in your brain that have a blood-brain barrier, but it's very different from the rest of your blood-brain barrier. Okay. Okay. And they're basically around a lot of different glands in your brain. Okay. And glands are things that need to secrete stuff out. What does a gland look like compared to the rest of your brain? Um, Trying to visualize me, Captain. They look a little bit like peanuts. Okay, I like that. Like a little little so, nubbins. Little nubbins. Yeah. Okay. And they need to secrete stuff out. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they need yeah. to send out little hormone signals and everything like that. Okay. And a lot of times they're detecting signals in your blood that help give information about like how are things going in your body and are you full? Did you eat recently? Like how's your blood sugar level? Right. Is it fifty two forty two in Florida or is it forty eight forty eight? Oh yeah. 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 So uh, so these these pollster glands yeah pollster glands they're they're keeping an eye on that stuff but that means that they need to have some access to the blood right right to kind of sense all of the things and it's really hard because just as much as they won't vote young people won't pick up the phone so like how do you know what they're thinking what's the temperature of the room well this is the point is that when you have a really serious blood brain barrier you have trouble accessing the blood right to actually do the sensing right right so around these glands you actually have a modified blood brain barrier okay to the point where a lot of these glands all together uh, and that's stuff like the hypothalamus the blood brain barrier spot for the hypothalamus is called the median eminence okay which is a fun name but also around the pituitary gland the pineal gland all of these are called the circumventricular organs okay and they have, like I said, a modified blood-brain barrier, which in some ways is kind of more similar to the blood-brain barrier in sharks and in sturgeon and maybe in cephalopods or something. Okay. Where it's not the endothelial cells. It's not the capillary cells that form the barrier. Right. It's an extra cell on the outside. Correct. That's forming a kind of barrier. But it's a little bit more permissive because it lets certain signals through. It lets some hormones through. Okay. They're not so permissive that... Stuff can leak through to get all over your brain. Right. Okay? You still need some control. Right. Because otherwise we would have seen that in those experiments, right? Like those right. dyeing experiments where they shoved the dye into animals. Right. If these were so leaky, then you would have been able to see it. But they're slightly different structures. Hormones good, leaky, dye bad. And there might be some kind of unique transporters there. Maybe there's some kind of way that you could exploit these organs to be able to get some passage into the brain right but it's not so straightforward as like they're just super leaky right this last chunk that we're going to talk about now is about the cells that are locking down your blood brain barrier right okay so we had talked about this a little bit already capillary cells the ones that are making up the actual structure of the capillary there's 400 miles of them in your brain that's how (laughs) many there are yeah that's not actually bullshit there are like 400 miles of capillaries in your brain yeah basically each neuron in your brain, all of the neurons that are hanging out in your brain, yeah. are like no more than about one cell width away from a capillary. That's that's how like seriously your capillaries are all up in there. Damn. Okay. How are your capillaries paid for? <laughs> I mean, ever since my brain's budget kind of atrophied, there's like little signs along my capillaries that are like paid for by the McDonald's of Bishop. I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. 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 My, mine are all foreign loans. Yeah, totally. Anyway, so the capillaries, the walls of the capillary are made up of what are called endothelial cells. Okay. And so you. they're the ones that in the most of the blood brain barrier, they're forming the tight junctions. That sounds like a hero to me. Like, endothelial is the one. You know, like, I am endothelial, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you are the unit. I am endothelial. (laughs) So, in the blood CSF barrier that we were just talking about, it is not the endothelial cells that form the tight junction. Oh, shit. 
But that doesn't mean that, like, everything can pass through the gaps between the endothelial cells willy-nilly. Right. Uh, a lot of the huge stuff still can't pass through the fenestrations. Right. But in that blood CSF barrier, there are those fenestrations. So right. Some stuff can leak through. I mean, that's why if you have a cut and some of your capillaries are showing, you can't just, like, take a sausage and just put it in your blood. That is too big. As, as, yeah, You're right. I'm just, I'm just whacking my wrist with a sausage. Yes. Get in there! Get in my belly! <laughs> yes, sausages are too big. You're right, Nathan. Um, there's another layer of cells outside of those endothelial ones, right? So you've yes. got blood, those capillary endothelial cells, and then outside of that, you have what are called the choroid plexus epithelium. Mm. And the choroid plexus epithelium in the blood CSF barrier, those ones have tight junctions. And they keep a lot of the stuff from actually getting into the CSF. Okay, cool. Wow. Yeah. So a very tight perimeter. Right. It's, it's kind of like any place where the endothelial cells aren't doing the tight junction thing right. in the brain, any of these unique cases, I say, some other cell is doing a tight junction right. thing. And just, all this shit, heroin just goes straight through. <laughs> well, we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, next episode, actually, is I think when we talk about heroin. Yeah, um, our next episode is basically titled like Heroin, a God Amongst Men. <laughs> a super drug. <laughs> so. Yeah. Why you should do heroin. No. <laughs> it gets in your brain. Don't do it. Okay, so in the normal blood-brain barrier, though, you have the endothelial cells, tight junctions, keeping it tight, 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 tight. Yes. Okay. And then next layer out is what's called the basement membrane. Okay, okay, sexy. And the basement membrane is basically extracellular matrix. It's a bunch of proteins and carbohydrates and shit right. like that. Right. That are just kind of laid down for the endothelial cells to be hanging out on. Right. But also for other cells to come and attach to. Where we're scaffolding, we're building our beautiful buttress. Right. And for so, this cathedral that is the body. Onto that scaffolding, yeah. you have other cells called parasites. Yeah. And parasites like to really nestle up close. Parasites are kind of like Nathan. Okay? Yeah. They like to really get in close and be touching you all over your body. That's much better than what I was going to say. <laughs> so they come up to endothelial cells and they will actually form little junctions with endothelial cells where they can send molecules into endothelial cells. Okay, cool. And the reason for that is that parasites kind of take care of endothelial cells. They help keep them healthy. Yeah, by the way, guys, it's not spelled... It kind of sounds like parasite, like a Korean movie. Ah. It's spelled like Pericles, parasite. Yeah, yeah, or like periscope. Yeah, or periscope. Yeah, para, like next to sites. Mm. Um, and so in the brain, there's actually a lot of these parasites. Okay, that are taking care of the endothelial cells. There's one parasite for every three endothelial cells. Okay. Whereas in like your muscles, let's say, there's one parasite for every thousand endothelial okay, cells. Okay, so these parasites are real fucking important where it really matters. Yeah, and they're taking care of these cells. They're keeping things regulated. They can also help if you need to grow out some of your capillary. Like if there's some area of the brain that's like, ah, oh, there's not enough oxygen and nutrients going here. Right. The parasites can help guide new growth into that area. So they can help like kind of guide a new highway built up. So I described the brain kind of like a club at the beginning of the episode, but really it's more like playing Diablo, right? It's like you have all these little mini bosses, all these parasites, all these fucking little endothelial bitches before you can get into that brain. And what's the brain in uh, your Diablo? I mean, the brain's thing. Diablo, bro. <laughs> <laughs> brain is the secret cow level, bro. Wow, okay. I guess so. Nightmare mode, bro. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> I kill them all. Pokemon. Yeah, nice. All right. So there's another level of cells. Someone should make a Diablo Pokemon. 
that would be fucking awesome. <laughs> like, you just like these evil Pikachus running around, be like, <laughs> oh, I see, I see. So it's like Diablo two, where all of the enemies are some kind of Pokemon. Yeah, but like evil. Broco <laughs> <laughs> <I see>. Jabro. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> it's exploding innocent people's heads. Yeah, you hear that, Pokemon Company? This is how you make your next ten bucks. Oh my god, Nathan's idea here, like sixty bucks. <laughs> I'm buying that game. <laughs> okay, so the next level out. From the endothelial cells, basement membrane, parasites, we have what are called astrocytes. Mm. And astrocytes is are... a great parliament album. <laughs> astrocytes, stars! <laughs> <laughs> I think they're called that because they look kind of like star shapes. Dude. And they're really important in the brain in general for regulating things, helping take care of the neurons and everything like for that. For listening to signals from space. <laughs> <laughs> but they also kind of stick out parts of their membranes. They have a little part of their cell body that goes out that looks like a foot. Goopy. Okay, so they'll stick out these little, like, kind of feet. <laughs> and then they'll go up to capillaries and wrap around those capillaries. Very sexy. Into an extra layer on your burrito. That's cool. Okay. Actually, that's bad. <laughs> that's too much burrito. <laughs> it's like some weird monstrosity in the mission district or something. And so they will hook up to the basement membrane and they will work to kind of detect nutrient levels that are coming in from the blood and they'll do a little bit of signaling work. They're just making yeah. sure things are going well. Cool. And they play a really important role in helping to establish a whole other set of of like liquid shit flowing around in the brain. Okay, so we've already talked about brain juice. We've already talked about CSF and blood. And it turns out there's another set of liquid that we didn't know about until a few years ago. Just For me, it's just <laughs> What? God damn it. <laughs> my brain is constantly marinating in my jizzle. It's not where it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's, not, it's not where you want it. Okay. And so. it, has, it makes this terrible inward pressure on my brain. That, and it's, uh, so it sounds like in my brain as it slowly denses into a, a neutron star of, of horniness. What's a bummer is that like no one ever wants to hear this much information about like the details of your body and you keep giving it. Um, okay. No. Not gum. <laughs> this liquid, this whole system is called the glymphatic system. It sounds like <laughs> the glymphatic. And so the brain juice that I've been talking about this whole time is maybe more correctly called brain interstitial fluid. Mm. Okay. And it is different from cerebrospinal fluid and blood. Damn. Well, also, the thing is, your neurons in your brain poop. Like all the rest of your cells, like they create waste. Yeah. And that waste enters into the brain interstitial fluid and it needs to get out of there somehow. Right, right? of course. You don't want the waste to build up. That and sex. so what it seems like is it gets transferred into an area that's in between your capillary and the astrocyte feet. Woo! Okay. All right. And it's a tight fit. It is, yes. And that's <laughs> called the glymphatic fluid, is this place in between the capillary and the astrocyte feet. That fluid there, the glymphatic system, is a way of being able to get the waste out of there. Uh, and that is kind of controlled by the astrocytes. And the astrocytes have these proteins in their feet called aquaporin channels. They control the water level so that they can, like, change how much water is flowing through wow. this glymphatic system. Dude, you need to call up Marvel. Wait, no, DC. Uh -huh. And be like, this should be Aquaman's, like, real power. Because he sucks, right? Aquaman, <laughs> you, know, you need to cast Jason Moma to make Aquaman seem like anything. And he's still just a fucker in a trident. Sure. You should have it be like, he can manipulate your aquafuckers in the person's brain so the brain oh. just like fucking goes out all whack and then the brain just collapses that's on why waterbenders are so dangerous yeah 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 oh i guess you just say that yeah like, so naughty aquaman should waterbend <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys ever think about just stealing the avatar shit and yeah. just turning that into i mean netflix water? isn't gonna use it right so don't worry about it <laughs> all right all right so that's the end of this week of blood brain barrier shit but next week, we're actually going to be talking about 
a lot more blood brain barrier stuff because we had just way too much for one episode right because we're going to talk about how it gets messed up in disease cases right. right what drugs can do to affect the blood brain barrier yeah this is where heroin shines guys <laughs> and then what we can do to actually get through the blood brain barrier because in a lot of cases we actually want drugs to be able to get through it yeah right? like if you take a pill that's supposed to be an antidepressant or something right a lot of times that needs to get into your brain to work yeah how can we design our drugs to try to get that shit in there? And you don't want to do like me. I just frack pills right into my fucking brain, dude. <laughs> we'll actually, just like, ah! We'll, <laughs> we'll talk right about that, too. <laughs> hey, um, guys. Our right. mighty monarch. Check out Venture Brothers if you haven't seen it yet. Wow, we're plugging Venture Brothers. This episode is dedicated to Venture Brothers. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, let's say thank you to Stacy, our sound lord and engineer. Dude, to, to Pollock and Doc Hammer. Okay, you guys are doing it. You guys are inspirations to us all. All right, and to Dad, who did our art, Brian Allen, Griffin for the little videos. Where's our next video, Griffin? I know you're busy, but shut up. Talking about animation, just Hanna-Barbera, you know, thank you for decades of work that what? was channeled into Venture Brothers. Oh. Huh. Yeah, I mean, like, Venture Brothers no, wouldn't be I'm, what it is. No, no more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Patreon.com slash Petri Dish if you want to toss us a little bit of money for doing the thing that we do. Everyone's favorite story, go on to Twitter and tell us about when you discovered Venture Brothers. Yeah, at Dish Podcast. You can send those things to me. That's fine. And Gmail, PetriDishPod at gmail.com. And, yeah, so we will see y'all next time so that we can talk more about this crazy blood-brain barrier stuff. Ich bin ein Adult Swim fan. God bless. Jesus. Good night and good luck. <laughs> Monarch You're flying for one year Then you die Stop <laughs> <No>. <laughs>